why would a kid in the developing world need a laptop of all things when they might not have food, they probably in some cases don't live beyond the age of five, they don't have drinking water, uh, and the parents earn a dollar a day or less. Good grief, why should they have a laptop? Take the word laptop and substitute the word education and nobody would say that. This is probably the only hope, now, I don't want to place too much on OLPC, but if I really have to look at sort of how to eliminate poverty and create peace and work on the environment, I think I can't think of a better way to do it. It was a world-changing idea. Give every child on the planet a laptop. Let them access thousands of books and learning materials for free, improve their education in a revolutionary way, and eventually defeat poverty and suffering. Today, we look into the phenomenon known as One Laptop Per Child, a project that took off like a rocket ship in 2006, raising eye-popping amounts of money, grabbing the attention of world leaders, and the spotlight of every major news outlet. For the season one finale of Let's Break Good, we have for you an extraordinary story of lofty ambition, ruthless determination, and extreme innovation. Let's do it. Let's get started. I want to break free. It's 2006, and all eyes are on Nicholas Negroponte as he paces back and forth on the TED Talk presentation stage. He's about to share an idea with massive aspirations, a vision he believes will help poor children around the world lift themselves out of poverty. So One Laptop Per Child was formed about a year and a half ago. Um, it's a nonprofit association that raised about $20 million to do the, the engineering to just get this built and then uh, have it produced afterwards. Scale is truly important, and it's not important because you can buy components at a lower price, okay? It's because you can go to a manufacturer, and I will leave the name out, but we wanted you know, a small display, um, doesn't have to have perfect, uh, color uniformity, can even have a pixel or two missing. Um, it doesn't have to be that bright. And this particular manufacturer said, well, you know, we're not interested in that. We're interested in the living room. We're interested in perfect color uniformity. We're interested in big displays, bright displays. You're not part of our strategic plan. And I said, well, that's kind of too bad because we need 100 million units a year. And they said, oh, well, maybe we could become part of your strategic, and that's why scale counts. And that's why we will not launch this without five to 10 million units in the first run. And the idea is to launch with enough scale that the scale itself helps bring the price down. And uh, that's why I said, I said seven to 10 million there. Um, and we're doing it without a sales and marketing team. I mean, you're looking at the sales and marketing team. We will do it by, going to seven large countries and getting them to agree and launch it and then the others can, can follow. Negroponte is a technology visionary with a track record of predictions that make him a Nostradamus-like figure. He described the future of touchscreens 26 years before the iPad and web browsers before America Online or Microsoft Internet Explorer. In 1985, 
he led the launch of the world-renowned MIT Media Lab, a famous hub of innovation which played a huge role in producing game-changing technology such as the Amazon Kindle e-reader, the Guitar Hero video game, and countless others. On the TED stage, Negroponte has introduced a society-altering laptop that matches his pedigree. Could the machine really live up to the grandiose goal of a laptop for every child? It was going to be built from scratch, without the help of any big-name computer company, on what seemed like an unreasonable timeline. Yet just a year later, as if like magic, the laptop was ready for testing. Here's how the New York Times reviewed the XL laptop when it premiered in 2007. Well, first of all, I have to say, for its mission, it's pretty amazing. Gamepad controller, stereo speakers, built-in video camera. Note how clever. The guts of the machine are in the screen, not in the pad. And nothing happens if you get water on here. Thanks. But it's also dustproof, completely sealed, and dropproof. Now think about the environments where this thing is going to be used. Power is going to be an issue. So already it's got a six hour battery that'll last 24 hours if you're just reading. And oh, by the way, here's how you read. Ebook reader. This laptop is not intended for the snarky bloggers. This laptop is intended for poor kids in other countries. And for that, I say it's amazing. The bright neon green colored Exo laptop was eye-catching and fun. The original design included two extendable rabbit ear antennas that acted as Wi-Fi boosters and gave the machine a child-friendly appearance. The look of the laptop was extremely charming. And yet, that wasn't even the most intriguing part of the machine. Everybody says it's a $100 laptop, you can't do it. Well, guess what? We're not. Uh, we're coming in probably at 135 to start, then drift down. And that's very important because so many things hit the market at a price and then drift up. You know, it's kind of the lost leader. And then as soon as it looks interesting, uh, it can't be afforded or it can't be scaled out. So we're targeting $50 in 2010. Negroponte had a grand vision for how this laptop would eventually sell for less than $100. At the time, there was no laptop on the market for less than $1,000. Negroponte explained all it would take was the right volume of orders to get to the price. And he already had upfront agreements in place for orders from the leaders of some very big countries. At scale, the laptop would be a fraction of the cost of anything available on the market. Put it all together, the super cool laptop, fronted by a genius ahead of his time inventor and a shockingly low price. That's a no-brainer. The ultimate realization of technology as a force for good in the world. One laptop per child became a media darling. Here's a clip of Negroponte getting featured on CBS's famous news program, 60 Minutes. Nicholas Negroponte, a professor at MIT, had a dream. In it, every child on the planet had his own computer. In that way, he figured children from the most impoverished places, from deserts and jungles and slums, could become educated and part of the modern world. Poor kids would have new possibilities. It was a big dream. The first English word of every child in that village was Google. <laughs> the village has no electricity, no telephone, no television. 
And the children take laptops home that are connected broadband to the Internet. When they take the laptops home, the kids often teach the whole family how to use it. <laughs> Families loved it because it was the brightest light source in the house. Because they had no electricity. Right. Talk about a metaphor and reality simultaneously. It just illuminated that household. With all the media attention and hype, Negroponte had captured lightning in a bottle. Less than two years after its initial announcement, the One Laptop Per Child project raised an astronomical $50 million, including an estimated $7 million of free advertising. Corporations like Google and Amazon rushed in to support the idea, as did governments around the world, excited by this new opportunity to help their country's youth. Soon, the Exo laptop was going into serious production. Necroponte was taking the hardest steps, the first ones in making an ambitious idea reality. In the three years since I talked to Ted and showed a prototype, it's gone from an idea to a real laptop. We have half a million laptops today in the hands of children. We have about a quarter of a million in transit to those and other children. And then there are another quarter of a million and more that are being ordered at this moment. So in rough numbers, there are a million laptops. That's smaller than I predicted. I predicted three to 10 million, but it is still a very large number. By 2008, less than three years from the TED Talk, Negroponte could proudly state they had distributed over 500,000 laptops. He reminded his audiences of how many books and learning opportunities were getting to kids in some of the poorest countries. But it was still a small number of laptops when compared to the total being shipped around the world. And it was far short of the millions each month Negroponte predicted he could get to. The price was still well over $100. There were going to be some growing pains in reaching his goal. The government orders that had been promised were slow to come through. As Negroponte described, a handshake from a world leader is not the same thing as a signed check. One laptop per child was forced to cut staff. Momentum seemed to be slowing as the global recession began and created additional headwinds for the project. It was clear that to reach the volume needed for the critical $100 price, a new approach was necessary. In the face of these major challenges, Negroponte was not going to give up so easily. He had another trick up his sleeve, a remarkable fundraising campaign idea to get things back on track. My name is Zimi. I'm seven years old. I come from a place you've never heard of, a continent you'd rather forget. With education, we will solve our own problems. To the person who gave me this EXO laptop, thank you. You have changed my world. Through the so-called Give One, Get One campaign, not only would a kid like Zimmy get a laptop, but you would too. The campaign got great traction and attracted major stars to promote it. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, and this is the XO. They're only available in the U.S. until the end of the year through Give One, Get One, which allows you to give this rugged, solar-powered, connected laptop to a child in the developing world and get one for yourself or your children. Give a laptop, get a laptop, change the world.
Negroponte even got an agreement to use the likeness of deceased beetle John Lennon to imagine the power of one laptop per child. Imagine every child, no matter where in the world they were, could access a universe of knowledge. They would have a chance to learn, to dream, to achieve anything they want. I tried to do it through my music, but now you can do it in a very different way. You can give a child a laptop and more than imagine. You can change the world. Through the Give One, Get One campaign, Negroponte raised another $35 million, a staggering number. The initiative had the funding it needed. The campaign buzzed through the media and nonprofit world. But with the renewed success, also came new challenges. The problem is that Intel has its own cheap laptop aimed at the developing world. But the founder of One Laptop Per Child says Intel was telling governments not to buy his computer. They would go in even after we had signed contracts and try and persuade government officials to scrap their contract and sign a contract with them instead. That's not a partnership. And it just happened time and time and time again. And each time it happened, they said they'd correct their ways. And it's, it's a little bit like cheating on your spouse or alcoholism or something you just can't eventually fix. Negroponte may have hoped that the other computer manufacturers would support his mission, but to his chagrin, businesses saw both a threat and an opportunity. Instead of joining him, other companies jumped at the market opportunity that Negroponte had opened and created their own cheap, scaled-down laptops. With new competition, the Exo laptop would need to rise above the pack to reach its goals. So let's look a little deeper at the one laptop per child approach. Negroponte's plan was to go to heads of state, get hundreds of thousands of laptops ordered by each country's government. We went to these six, and in each case, the head of state said he would do it, He'd do a million, in the case of Gaddafi, he'd do 1.2 million, and that they would launch it. We thought this is the, exactly the right strategy, get it out, and then the little countries could sort of piggyback on these big countries. And so I went to each of those countries at least six times, met with the head of state probably two or three times in each case, got the ministers, went through a lot of this stuff. In the case of Libya, it was a lot of fun meeting Gaddafi in his tent, the camel smells were unbelievable, and uh, it was 45 degrees centigrade. I mean, it was, this was not what you'd call a cool experience. That's Negroponte describing a meeting with notorious Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi. Some may call it bold, others naive. But it could not be denied that Negroponte was getting the audience he wanted at the highest level. World leaders lined up to meet with him. Since the strategy hinged on Negroponte getting huge sale numbers from the politicians, and as he mentioned, he was a one-man sales team, that meant Negroponte needed to travel a lot. I heard that you travel more than 300 days a year. Yes, it's true, sadly. I travel. They're only 365 days a year. I actually travel about 330 of them. Negroponte wore the miles he flew for the project as a badge of honor. But did he hire local staff to continue the work after he left? Did he have the conversations about what it would take to integrate laptops into existing school systems that lacked electricity, internet, and even sometimes teachers? Negroponte assumed that would be taken up by his government counterparts. It did seem that governments wanted it to work, even if the capacity to actually carry out the task of getting the laptops into the hands of kids would vary from country to country. With determination and the right support, there was a chance that it just might work out. 
But now let's ask the essential question of any nonprofit endeavor, because it is not the money, media, or endorsements that we measure altruism against. It's the level of impact. It's things like number of lives saved or number of people getting out of poverty. How did Negroponte plan to measure the impact of his one laptop per child initiative? Here he is describing his attitude on evaluation in a 2010 TEDx talk called Schools Without Schools. So now what, what have those laptops shown us? And everybody says to me, have you measured the results? Uh, and it's very interesting. My com- first answer to somebody is, is if you have to measure a result, it's not big enough. I can't tell you how unpopular that is. The few of you who are clapping, it's not a popular position because forget the arrogance of it, but the reality of it. I don't want to measure things. And here's Negroponte going further, talking about his plans to measure sustainability in a 2010 talk at Harvard University. And the reason sustainability is not a good thing in my mind is that it usually leads to very small thinking. And a lot of the so-called NGOs of this world spend a lot of their time in existence and figuring out how they're going to exist and do something micro, feeding itself, and sustainability is an excuse to be small. In essence, Negroponte planned to transcend metrics. But at the same time, he did obsess about one certain number, the price point of a $100 XO laptop. It drove his overall strategy, like the decision to require minimum orders in the hundreds of thousands. Was the price of the laptop the right metric to drive strategy? What about number of teachers trained to use the laptop in their classroom, or the number of education curriculums created around the laptop, or even number of local computer engineers working on the open source apps and providing hardware support when the laptops needed fixing. Negroponte was fueled by the righteousness of the mission and believed his good intentions would guide him to ultimate success. But those who have worked years in the nonprofit world understand no matter how pure the mission, you cannot defy the laws of gravity. You are not totally immune to poor execution, cultural barriers, politics, or private sector competitors. The Give One, Get One campaign, it was a total disaster. The shipping of laptops had major delays. When they did arrive, the laptops were buggy and slow. Companies that had donated tens of thousands of dollars to the campaign didn't even get a thank you letter from the initiative. According to IRS filings, fundraising at one laptop per child fell 93% the year after the Give One, Get One campaign. What about the laptops themselves? According to One Laptop Per Child, nearly 3 million of them got delivered. However, most lacked local administrative support. Teachers didn't know how to integrate the laptops into their classrooms. Spare parts and tech support were absent in many communities. According to a Boston Globe investigation, just 4% of the laptops were reported as still being used as of 2012. By 2014, Negroponte's One Laptop Per Child project went bankrupt and was shutting down. While some small spin-off initiatives did live on, Negroponte did not stick around. You never hear him mention one laptop per child in his public talks anymore. Um, Are we dreaming? Is this real? Um, It actually is real. The only criticism 
and people really don't want to criticize this because it is a humanitarian effort, it is a nonprofit effort, and to criticize it is a little bit, is a little bit stupid, actually. Um, but the one, the one thing that people could criticize was, great idea, but these guys can't do it. While one laptop per child failed to literally reach the goal in its name, it does not mean it had no value. The initiative showed us the power of unreasonable people. Negroponte got the support of world leaders, top corporate executives, and had tens of thousands of ordinary people reach into their pockets and donate towards a fundamentally good cause. He got the mainstream media to pay attention to how technology could help educate, even in the poorest countries. The Exo laptop itself was, and still remains, rather remarkable. A laptop built from scratch in a short period of time that could easily run on solar power, be used as an e-reader in bright sunlight, it could withstand being dropped, dunked in water, or covered in sand. Then, what can you learn from this incredible story? First, it's not the number of miles flown or the countries you've visited that equals doing good. It's not the number of dollars you've raised or the genius technology product you invented either. Picking your impact metrics are key. Implementation strategy and sustainability planning matter a lot. Maybe this cautionary tale will come to your mind as you decide where to make your next donation. Or if you work at a nonprofit or corporate social responsibility group, you consider its lessons in the design of your next project or program. And if you happen to be one of those unreasonable people who have the ambition to set out on an idea that some people will call crazy, you won't get caught up in the hype, but stay grounded so you can deliver on the important promise of your world-changing vision. So what are you waiting for? Get to it. But life still goes on. This was our final episode of season one, and I want to give thanks to all the listeners who have joined us from over 50 different countries around the world. We did all of this with no production budget, so it took a lot of help to get this first season done. I want to thank all of the amazing people who joined us for interviews and opened up to tell us their personal story of breaking good. Also, thanks to my friends and family who provided feedback, tips, and advice about the podcast. A special heartfelt thanks goes to my partner in crime, Jennifer Estevez, who continually reminds me that good is just not good enough. Lastly, a huge, enormous, deep gratitude goes to Mr. Simon Green, who helped to make all the episodes sound as great as they did. His creativity and encouragement made the season happen in a major way. We will be coming back with a second season later this year, and we want to hear story ideas from you, the listener. We are looking for people breaking good that many of us may have never heard of. We want to explore projects like One Laptop Per Child that even with the right intentions, millions of dollars spent, and media hype still failed. So if you have a story idea or person we should interview, please reach out to us on Twitter at Let's Break Good or email us at info at letsbreakgood.com. Stay tuned for special interview episodes during our hiatus too. Finally, if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us spread the word. Now go out, break some rules of what doing good is supposed to mean, and make the world a better place. (laughs) 